0: man, don't be that guy. Welcome to our new series. Welcome to our new series. We had, I'll be honest with you, when uh, Pastor Jason and I were uh, thinking about this, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at the book of Proverbs for the next few weeks, and we thought about, oh, we've got the perfect title for this. Don't be that guy. And so that's what we want to share with you all today. Hey, if you're watching online, I want to say a welcome to you. Uh, A special shout-out to Rita. One of our viewers from California was here last week, and she introduced herself to me. What a joy it was to meet you, Rita. Yeah. And uh, a little special shout-out to my sister-in-law, Kathy, and my mother-in-law, Sharon, who are watching us right now, I hope I don't disappoint, Mom, okay? So um, no pressure whatsoever. Hey, guys, there is a number of things that we do in our lives, and we know this. And ladies, most of you have probably had at least one experience where you did something that was less than intelligent. And I need to share a little story with you. And let let me see. I got a picture behind me that's going to show up. Guys, has this ever been you? okay? I will tell you, a number of years ago, before we had GPS, believe it or not, kids, there was a time before we had GPS, okay? Uh, but we were going up to Reagan National. I've been up there maybe twice, and my my Aunt Kathleen was in the back seat, and we're going to pick up her son, and my wife was in, the, of course, the navigator seat, and I was the pilot. And, but As a good pilot, I wasn't listening to my navigator. And uh, so she goes, you need to turn at the next light. And I'm like, no, we turn right here. And I kid you not, I literally put us into the basement of a parking garage. (laughs) My aunt, who was in the back, was laughing so hard, I thought she was going to hyperventilate and pass out. And my wife, God love her, she just, it's just, the only way that Debbie can, she goes, are you willing to listen now? And so I'm like, yes. So I got us out of the parking lot, where do I go? And this was years ago, but yet I still have the tendency to question her. And she's like, John. And I'm like, yes, ma'am." ma'am. <laughs> yeah. We can all have those moments where we're that guy or that girl, or that person. And the book of Proverbs is just packed with information. It's just nuggets and nuggets and nuggets of wisdom to help prevent us from being that person. All right? When you look at the book of Proverbs, there are 31 chapters of it. The first nine chapters are really a conversation between a father and his son, And the father is trying to pour out knowledge and wisdom to his boy so that he won't have to become or won't become that guy. The middle section of Proverbs, uh, chapters 10 through 29, are those little one or two line quips, those nuggets of wisdom that you either get or you don't get. It's kind of like the punchline of a joke, all right? But this is the thing, when you read Proverbs, understand that these are probabilities, not promises. Probabilities, but not promises. So many times we hold on and think that these are promises. Probably the one that we hold on to so much as parents, we say, start a child off in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it and that's proverbs 22 6 it is a probability and understand with every rule there are always exceptions so don't hold on to these as promises but they are incredible nuggets of wisdom So with that in mind, what I want us to do, let's go ahead and we're going to jump into just the first seven verses in chapter one. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and follow along with me. If you've got your app, you can do that. If not, last ditch effort, you can watch it on a screen, okay? Here we go, Proverbs chapter one. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now some of you hopefully are familiar with Solomon. He is the son of David, duh, it just said that. He follows his father and becomes the king over Israel. Solomon was asked by God, What would you like? And Solomon said, This I need wisdom to rule these people. And so, God, because Solomon's heart was in the right place, God gave him incredible wisdom. Oh, and because he didn't ask for anything selfish, God gave him incredible wealth and influence worldwide. And so much of the book of of Proverbs is written by Solomon. And so these are his nuggets of wisdom, these things that he has learned over time that he is pouring out to others. And it starts off in this chapter. And he says, this is why uh, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of uh, David, king of Israel, For gaining wisdom instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And here's the punchline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I will tell you that the very core of what the book of Proverbs is, is that of gaining wisdom. Now, I will tell you there, are, there is knowledge and there is wisdom. And please understand that these are different things. Knowledge is what we can know. Knowledge is what we gain when we sit in a class or sit in a lecture and we hear things and we get tested on them and we can regurgitate it and write it back out. But wisdom, wisdom is knowledge applied. I came across this week a great quote from a British journalist named Miles Kington and he does and he defines Knowledge and wisdom like this. He goes, knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in fruit salad. So there really is a difference. Again, knowledge, what I can learn, what I do know, okay? Two plus two equals four. But wisdom is being able to take it, process it, and then go live it Out. That's the reason for the book of Proverbs. It's not just a bunch of facts. It is so that we will gain wisdom, so that we will live out this knowledge that we have, that we will live it out according to how Jesus wants us to live. Now, I will tell you, this is not just about morality, it's not just proper behavior. It is about relationship in Jesus, in taking the knowledge that Jesus and God gives us and applying it in our life and in everything that we do. There are three main people that are talked about in here that the Proverbs are addressing. There is, first of all, the wise person and those who apply the knowledge, and they continue being lifelong learners. I love that idea of being a lifelong learner. Now, I'm not blowing my own horn, but I am, uh, I am back in school, and I'm working on yet another master's degree. I don't know what I'm doing. Actually, I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing. Did you know that while you're in school, you don't have to pay back your student loans? I'm gonna get a doctorate, or two, yeah. And then when I die, my kids will have this bill, and so it'll be great, yeah, no. Wait, that puts me in the fool part, no, okay, no. But that being a lifelong learner, there's always new things that we can learn, and those are the wise that are willing to take in new knowledge, and to apply it, and to constantly understand we have never arrived. The second group that Proverbs is talking to are the fools. And these are the people who really trust in their own understanding. In fact, if you've got your Bible, there's probably a little footnote down there. And it also talks about the fool being those who are morally bankrupt. These are the folks who will not learn from others, that will not learn new things, they just simply go, uh, eh, it feels good, so I'm going to do it. And then they're surprised when calamity happens. But they never learn from it. And then caught right in the middle, the third group of people that Proverbs is talking to are the young, the youth. Now, you're going to see over you know, the next few weeks... That lady wisdom, wisdom is personified or given this identity as as a wise woman. In fact, if you go and you read through the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 31, you all have heard of the Proverbs 31 woman? The very last section of Proverbs is wisdom played out in this woman that does everything right. And ladies, all you got to do is just, Just be like the Proverbs 31 wife, and you'll be awesome. Good luck. Just like, guys, all we got to do is love our wives like Christ loved the church. How hard can that be? All right? And so there's this tension between the youth. I want you to imagine like a tug of war. You have folly on one side that is pulling and trying to drag that youth down there. And then you have wisdom on this side, and they're trying to drag that child, that young one, down that way. Parents, you see it all the time. You see it with your teenagers. You see it with your elementary age kids, where there is wisdom on one side, and there is folly on the other, and you can almost literally see your child being torn. Which way do I go? Wisdom and the uh, the Hebrew word for wisdom is Hokma. It it denotes like technical mastery, like being a um, uh, a skilled laborer, a craftsman, a carpenter. It also has the idea of one who is able to meet out just verdicts. And if you want to hear a really great story of great wisdom being played out. I want to encourage you to go read 1 Kings chapter 3. And this is Solomon when two women come before him with one child and there's a dispute over who the mother is of this child. And Solomon plays this perfectly. And he he goes, "Okay, listen. Since I can't figure out who the wife or who the mother is of this child, Split the child in half and each one gets half of the child. And one lady says, sounds fair to me. And the other one says, absolutely not. She can have the child. And Solomon goes, that's the mother. Give the child to that mother. What great wisdom. And so he was able to pass out a just verdict. But wisdom also in Scripture has this idea of being able to lead others and lead a country well. How many of us wish, and how many of us love to serve underneath quality leaders who have great wisdom, who have great insight, who are constantly learning? I love those types of people. These are the ones that I will go, and I will storm the gates of hell, as Susan Wanderer tells us. Man, I'll storm the gates of hell with a squirt gun with you. Let's go. These are people with great wisdom and insight, and they pour into others. And they are true leaders because they lead from a place of knowledge and wisdom and not from their own understanding. You can do that. You can do that. That's all right. Hey, there's four ways that I think that we can gain this wisdom, gain knowledge. The first one is by far, and we're all really good at this, the age-old trial and error. We do stupid, we get stupid, and we're like, that was stupid. I've never done anything like that. I cannot relate with this. That's why I was point number one. That seems like it's my life. I've got somebody that's pouring wisdom into me, and I'm like, okay, yeah, sounds good. All right, yeah. So we go that way? Okay. See, I always think I'm going to be the exception to the rule. Ever do that? I can eat whatever I want to eat because it's really not going to affect me. Two heart attacks later, guess what? Hey, knucklehead. All right? We can do the trial and error thing, but we don't have to. We don't have to. This is one thing within church I think is so important for us to understand. So many of us come here thinking that we're supposed to have some great testimony of where I went and I lived and I did stupid for so long. And then Jesus came and picked me up out of the muck and the mire and has placed me here. And I will tell you, that's part of my story. But for those of you that have grown up in the church and your parents introduced you to Jesus and you chose to, to accept that wisdom and accept that knowledge and apply that knowledge to become wisdom and you don't have a story, I want to applaud you. Yeah. Don't think that you've got to go sleep under the boardwalk to have a testimony. Your testimony is that God is faithful and God's wisdom is real. Second way, second way that we can, uh, that we can gain this wisdom are for those who have gone before us, those sages in our life, those wise people in our lives. Dads, how many of you sat down with your son or your daughter and tried to pour into them? How many of you have had somebody that has poured into you? Maybe it's a a parent, maybe it's a mom, maybe it's a dad, maybe it's a drill sergeant. Remember when you were a buck private? And you have the gunny going, uh-uh, I wouldn't do that. And you're like, that's, that's hard. Or sometimes you're like, no, I got this. It's all right. Well, he's just going to go blow himself up. Stand back. All right. You okay, son? We'll take you to the medic. Come on. They're going to make you take Motrin. You'll be okay. Rub some dirt on it. Here we go. Is that Did I about get that right? Yeah. All right. 800 milligrams of Motrin, it fixes everything. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But we need to have ears to hear. People with wisdom, people who want to gain knowledge, have ears to hear. What do I do here? It's okay to ask that question. And it's really okay to go, you know what, I don't know. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to find somebody who may know. So that they can give me instruction. Now, I always have a choice. I can heed their instruction or I can do whatever I want. But a lot of times when we do what we want, and maybe I'm just talking for me, I can goon things up. I mean, really good. The third way we can do it is by going to the direct source. Now, in school, you know that when you're writing a paper, it is taboo to use a secondary source. If you have to use a secondary source, then there's all sorts of ways that you have to cite this thing, all right? But they always ask you, go to the primary source. Go to the primary source. A lot of times what we do, not only will we not go to the primary source, we'll go to a secondary source and we'll call it CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, or we'll start going to tertiary uh, sources which are really kind of like the telephone game. Remember the old telephone game? The yellow bird landed in the green pasture. And what comes back is pickles are green. (laughs) What? We missed the whole thing. It gets watered down and it gets twisted all the way down here. And that's what I would call social media is. Social media may take a portion of a truth and spin it, And then you hear it and you try to summarize it. And all of a sudden, by the time it gets to you and you're looking at this, you're like, oh my gosh. And it's not true. And so our primary source for gaining wisdom, what about if we go to the author of wisdom and read what he has said? And I would say that that is scripture. I have a challenge for you all. I get this question often. How do I read the Bible? Where should I start? I said, well, there's a couple ways. How do I begin a devotion time? I always start with this one because I think I love the book of Proverbs. Read a chapter of Proverbs every day, and guess what? There's 31 chapters, and in the course of a month, you will have read through the entire book, and you will have gain some knowledge, and hopefully what you'll do is you'll begin to start applying some of that knowledge, and that's called wisdom. Another way to do it is read psalms. Read five psalms a day. There's 150 of them. In 30 days, you will have blown through the book of psalms. Now, I will tell you, on the day you got to read Psalm 119, set aside an hour and a half, okay? Yeah. But go to the primary source. If we want to learn who Jesus is, then why don't we read accounts of Jesus? Why don't we read of the sages that went before, that lived with Jesus, that walked with Jesus, that ate with Jesus, that were in the garden with Jesus? Who witnessed his crucifixion? Who witnessed his resurrection? Why don't we go to those primary sources? If we really want to gain knowledge and wisdom, go to the primary source. The fourth way that I think that we can really, truly gain wisdom is that... Of observation. It's incredible when you see wisdom that is played out. How would you like to have been in that courtroom or in the palace when Solomon said, Okay, we're gonna split this child in two? And you'd probably be sitting there going, Oh my gosh. But maybe that's the only option he has because these women, he has no idea who the real mother is. What if he gives the wrong mother the child and he goes, well, we're gonna split it in two. And the woman who was the child's mother said, nope, don't do that, pass it there. How incredible would it have been there to have been there and seen that and see wisdom played out. All of you probably have a story of where you have seen wisdom played out for the good And it's in awe, isn't it? Maybe it's a science experiment that all of a sudden, you know, something, we mix this, and we mix this, and we mix this, and we put heat underneath it, and all of a sudden, bam. Wow. But let me ask you this. What about when you go to the beach? Now, I'm a beach person. I've told you guys this a hundred times. One of my favorite places to sit is right on the edge of the surf. And just watch the waves lap in one after another. It's never ceasing. It's never ceasing. And on a clear day, it looks like the water just goes on forever. How can you not see God in that? And see all of his great wisdom. And then you start thinking about when God is questioning Job. And he goes, where were you, by the way, when I said water? You can only go this far. And the water just laps right there. And it comes up and it goes back. Comes up and it goes back. How cool is that? Some of y'all are um, mountain people, hiking people, mountains and stuff like that. Nah, there's way too much danger out there. There's bears out there, okay? There's mountain lions out there. I ain't doing that. But I will tell you there was one time I was driving through the valley past Charlottesville going out towards Roanoke and it was about 7.30 in the morning and there had been an ice storm the night before. And I was driving down through the valley, and the sun is coming up, and it's hitting all the trees that had ice on it. The entire valley looked like it was on fire. It was spectacular. And that's God's wisdom. That is God showing us That he knows best. He created everything. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1. I love this. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, is plain to us. In other words, we can see the wisdom of God played out in what has been made. God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. When we see these wonders, when we see these incredible things that God does, how can we not think that there cannot be a God? There has to be a God. Now, I will tell you this, one of the most profound moments in my life, and some of them, many of you have had this experience when a child is born. Oh my lands. One, it's frightening how much you can love something like that. But the second one is how can there not be a God? When we see this little itty bitty, helpless little thing come out, and it takes its first breath and it screams out and you're like, that's my boy. God, you're incredible. There is an incredible sense of awe and wonder that comes with that. And so when we read this, this, this information about wisdom and knowledge in Proverbs and he comes and he lands it right here on verse seven and he says, listen, the." Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That fear is not, ah, That fear is awe and wonder. That's what it is. When we see where God is working, when we have eyes to see what God is doing, and we see that, and then all, not only that, he goes, listen, I want you in that. I want you to be part of this. There's a sense of awe and wonder, but the fool will go, "Uh, no. No, it's just coincidence. The writer of Proverbs says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools, fools despise wisdom and instruction. I wanna take you over to Psalm 111. And I want you to hear the awe and the wonder of the writer of this psalm. And then I want you to hear what his summary of this is. Psalm 111. Praise the Lord, he says. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Do you ponder in the works of the Lord? It is part of the fear and awe and wonder of God. Will you ponder what he does? Verse 3, glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Have you ever experienced that grace Have you ever experienced God's compassion when you've been that guy, when you've been that woman, when you've been that person, and you receive grace and compassion from our God? He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever and acted in faithfulness and uprightness. Do you hear what this writer is saying? They are in awe of God. He he provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. And this is how they summarize this. It's the very words of the writer of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord, the awe and wonder of who he is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal life. Oh, that is so good. Hey, listen, I want us to understand that there's a new definition of fear when it comes to God. To not be that guy, to not be that woman, to not be that person. It is falling in love. It is seeing the awe and the wonder of who God is. Now, I will tell you that God's wisdom is far greater than our greatest wisdom. God's folly is far greater than our own wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes these words. For the message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing but it is God's power to us who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. Where's the philosopher? Where's the scholar? Where's the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of the message preached. I'm going to put my finger right there. And what was the message preached? That you are loved. That God loves you so much that he sent his son, that he lived, that he died, that he was buried in a tomb, and on day three, he rose to newness of life. And not only that, but then he appeared to the disciples, and then he appeared to more than 500 people. And he said, I have overcome death for you. Now, that is the wisdom of God, and people in our world will say that's foolishness. It can't happen. If I go to the primary source right here, and if I can't accept this by seeing, by observing, by hearing from other people, by trial and error, then maybe I am a fool. Paul goes on, he says, for the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. I will say there, it would be easy to say for one group of people are looking for signs and for another group of people, they're looking for wisdom. See, God's wisdom doesn't always equate with ours because our wisdom says, if you do just enough good, you're good. And God says, you'll never do enough. And I know that. And I'm not here to condemn you, I'm here to save you. We preach Christ crucified as a stumbling block to one group of people and foolishness to another group of people. Yet to those who are called, both Jew and Greeks, both one set of people and another set of people. Christ is God's power and God's wisdom, you hear that? Jesus Christ is God's wisdom because God's foolishness is wiser than than human wisdom, but God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Gang, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. And there's a whole brand new definition of the fear of the Lord, and it's this. Will you be in awe and wonder of God? Are you in awe and wonder of God? And when we get to that place, we're on the right path. And we stay on that path. We have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive. Let's be those people. Now listen, I don't know where you are in your faith walk. And maybe you have thought for years that this whole Jesus thing was foolishness Paul reminds us that if that's our stance, then what we think is that there is no hope for us. Some of us in our wisdom say, well, this is as good as it gets. Oh Lord, I hope not. Let's be in awe and wonder of God. My challenge for you this week Church, ask God to open your eyes to see where he's working. We have this week coming up the best week ever, ever in wind shape. We are gonna see our kids whose eyes are gonna get opened. And they're gonna be in awe and wonder of lights and music and a lot of sound and a lot of running around. what I really hope will happen is the eyes of their heart will be opened up. And they'll begin to have knowledge poured into them. And that knowledge will take root and become great wisdom that will carry them all of their lives. That is my prayer for each of you. It is my prayer for each of you. Wherever you are, What are the eyes of your heart? Are they open or are they shut? Ask to see God's wonder. And you'll tremble before it because it's awesome. Prayer team is going to be up here in just a moment. We're going to sing this last song. If you have been closed off to God's knowledge... And today, he's opening your heart. I'm going to ask that you would come up and that you would come right up here, that you would speak to one of the prayer teams or even myself. If you're online, there's going to be a little icon that's going to pop up here in just a moment. If you need more information, if you need someone to pray with you, if you want to accept Jesus Christ for the first time, I'm going to ask that you do something really brave and you click on that. We don't want to embarrass. We want to embrace and help you see the awe and wonder and amazement of God. Father God, we come to you and I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for your word and how it speaks to us. And God, may we not pursue our wisdom, but may we per- may we pursue yours. And in doing that, God, would you open our eyes, would you open our ears, would you open our heart that we would be people ready to embrace your knowledge and apply that knowledge and let it become a life of wisdom that we may grow just as Jesus did in stature and in favor with man but most importantly with you and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ amen